Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Cohen's Corner. We are almost at spring training as we're recording this, so we have a whole offseason of stuff to go over. Um, the Mets obviously haven't had the most you know, active offseason of the MLB teams, but there's still plenty of things to talk about how their offseason compares to what some other teams have done and also how it'll set them up for the 2024 season. This is David Stern's first offseason in charge of the Mets baseball operations department. So there's still a lot to go over in terms of how, like I said, this will kind of frame the Mets upcoming season as well as set them up to compete for future free agents or build their roster out in the future. So there's they have had some acquisitions that are maybe a little more under the radar than some of the big ticket you know, items that have happened this offseason, obviously Shohei Otani going to the Dodgers, Yoshinobu Yamamoto also going to the Dodgers. Those are the two most major things that have happened. And then from there, we're still waiting on a lot of the big free agents to sign. So who knows where they will end? We might talk about that as well, maybe closer to the end of the show. But yeah, to start us off, Jake, in terms of your thoughts, you know, at this point in the offseason, how do you see... How would you evaluate what the Mets have done this offseason? Does it make sense to you? Do you have questions about like why they've done what they've done? How do you kind of view this in the context of what the bigger picture is for the Mets coming up? Um, so it makes sense in a way, and in other ways, it kind of leaves you wanting a little more. Um, they filled out the bullpen in a it's kind of mysterious the way they filled it out. I mean, there are some upside guys. I mean, Adovino's had a good couple years with the Mets, so he could be good. Um, you got Lopez that they're bringing in, and he had a really good year in Baltimore a couple years ago, so there's some upside there. You never know. Uh, Fujinami, he's got a chance to be really good. They brought in some guys with really good stuff that if they reach their ceiling, they could be really good, but you really don't know what they're going to be. But I don't know. I think they could have a competitive team. I like Harrison Bader in center field if he can stay healthy. That's a big if because – He's basically never been able to stay healthy in his career, but it moves Nimmo to a corner spot, which I think honestly better suits him, even though he's become a better center fielder over the years. But yeah, I don't know. It, I would say it's been an average offseason. I mean, it hasn't been anything, like you said, it hasn't been anything similar to what we've experienced in past offseasons where they were going and getting that big ticket free agent, whether it was Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer trading for Francisco Lindor. But I mean, that was kind of to be expected because I mean, even at the trade deadline when Scherzer got traded and he basically outed his conversation that he had with Epler and Cohen that they weren't going to go big this offseason. And even though Epler's not here, I mean, that's kind of held true. Stearns is putting his impact on the team kind of just around the margins. And he's made the, I think he's definitely made the team better. Like, I don't think there's a question that it's just how much better that is the biggest question. I think they're about an 81, 82 win team maybe right now fighting for a wild card. They're obviously nowhere near the Braves. I wouldn't put them even with the Phillies yet. Um, but yeah, they have a chance. I mean, another guy, Luis Severino, they signed. That's a big if like, there's a lot of ifs, but if some of these pan out, I mean, it, yeah, it could be a very successful offseason. They signed a guy like Joey Wendell, who's had some good years in the majors and can move around and, give you some good at bats, but in a way I feel like him and Luis Guillorme were kind of similar. So you could have held on to, I don't know. So it's just been kind of curious. Some of the moves they've made, um, they made an under the radar trade. I think when they got Adrian Hauser, uh, I think he can be decent at the back end of the rotation. Um, yeah. So I, it's been curious. I, like I said, I think they're definitely better, but how better is the question? And I mean, time will tell, but it's a, it's a lot of ifs. So it's really hard to say right now. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, they certainly haven't had the flashiest offseason, like you said. The trade for, yeah, Adrian Hauser and another, um, I guess, backup outfielder, Tyrone Taylor from the Brewers. Luis Severino, as we said, um, just signing Sean Manaya uh, to, I think, one yeah, year. Sean Manaya would be decent too, yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, like, they're signing a, this is clearly somewhat of a transition year for the Mets. They, they're signing a lot of guys. And I think the common denominator is all the players they've signed have basically been to one year deals, I think almost exclusively. So, you know, if, if the Mets don't do that well this season, but some of these guys have good years, they can trade them, probably get some sort of prospect. And even if they don't trade them, they're only here for one year and they can reset next year. I think we're seeing that they they clearly want to develop more, you know, pitching internally within their own system. And I think we'll hopefully get to see some arms get more of a chance this year with, you know, Mike Vassell probably competing for, I don't know if he'll be competing for like a rotation spot out of spring training, but we'll pro- he'll probably at least get s- some run time. We'll have Jose Buto still in the mix, you know, I and there's also a couple other you know players in Double A as well that had really good seasons last year, like Christian Scott. Um, I think Tyler Stewart as well is another name that has had a really good year for the Mets. So you know, in some ways, not having the flashiest offseason and not having high expectations, I almost don't really mind because if you think about it, the players that have signed elsewhere, in terms of free agents, you know. Otani was obviously always unlikely. Yamamoto was the one player they clearly really wanted and really tried to get, and they didn't get him. But there's not really anyone else that signed where I'm like that the Mets should have made that deal. You know, they just because the players might be the top of this year's free agent class doesn't mean that they the Mets should necessarily sign them. I mean, last year signing Justin Verlander made sense after you know Degrom signed with the Rangers. It and it, it was only for a couple of years, and obviously they traded him last year. But I still think like the way they've approached it makes sense because I don't think you know they've made a lot of flashy transactions in the last couple of years. They've made a lot of big signings, but I don't necessarily think there's players just because players are out there that they should be signing them. So from that perspective, a lot of the guys that are still available, I'm fine with the Mets not getting. And a lot of the players that have signed, I don't think would have made sense anyway. So from that perspective, like it's been sort of boring, but the Mets are in the news so much that honestly, I don't really mind them kind of flying under the radar for a little bit here. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously they took so much heat last year with the huge payroll they had and it was a flop of a season. And yeah, I mean, look at what a flashy offseason did for them last year. I mean, it, it didn't accomplish much and it forced them into this reset, which honestly, we talked about this when it happened, but I think the reset for them at the trade deadline was very smart for Steve Cohen to be able to pivot and just kind of say, Hey, it's not working out for us. And the prospects they got, I mean, Drew Gil, uh, excuse me, Drew Gilbert, Ryan Clifford, Luis Angel Acuna. I mean, these guys could be really good, especially a couple of them could come up this year. Um, I mean, it sucks. Obviously Mauricio got hurt in winter ball this year, so he's going to miss out. Like, I feel like that's what makes been, me the saddest. Yeah, that was really a huge year for him. him. Yeah. And he would have got a lot of playing time, but I yeah. mean, this is a big year. I mean, this is a huge year for Brett Beatty. Like he really needs to show something. He showed flashes, but like, this is his year. He's going to get plenty of at bats. They haven't really done anything to address their base. So him and Vientos are going to battle it out. I would assume Vientos is going to get a lot of at bats at DH. So Brett Beatty should be playing a lot. And he was a top prospect coming up. Obviously he tore it up in the minor leagues and 
like I said, he showed some flashes at the major league level, but he really needs to show something. It's a make it or break it year, I think, for him in New York because, I mean, that's crazy to say. I know he's so young, but, yeah, they got a lot of young guys that are going to show something. They should have a lot of these top prospects coming up at some point. I think Francisco Alvarez, he had a great year as a rookie last year, especially defensively that not a lot of people expected. I mean, you knew the power was going to be there, but the work he put in behind the plate and even before Scherzer and Verlander were traded, they had rave reviews about him and how he dealt with the pitching staff and how in tune he was. So, I mean, I think he should have a great year. Um, expect him to hit around 30 home runs and get that average up a little bit. I mean, that'll be really exciting to see. But like you said, it's a bit of a transition year. If some of these ifs pan out, if Luis Severino can return to anywhere close to the form he was at his peak years with the Yankees, I mean, that'd be huge for this team. You could slot him in behind Kodai Sanga. Quintana will be your three. I mean, there's a lot of things. Tyler McGill, apparently he's developed a splitter this offseason. We'll see if that's a big pitch for him because he's shown flashes too, but then he, you know, he flamed out. So there's just so many ifs, which I don't want to compare it to, but it just reminds me so much in a way of when the Wilpons on the Mets and they would be taking these bargain deals and trying to just go off of what somebody did a few years beforehand. But I think this is different. Like I really think David Stearns has a plan. And like I said, he's really improved around the margins. The depth of this team is a lot better than it was Um which should help them, especially in such a long season like baseball is. So I don't know. Like you said, I think the best word for it is boring. It's been a boring offseason. But again, like you said, that that doesn't really necessarily mean it's a bad thing because the most exciting offseasons for the Mets really haven't turned out to bring wins to the team. So I, I don't know. Obviously, time will tell, and that's the easy answer to say. But yeah, it's, it's going to be intriguing, and we'll see what happens. But I don't know. I like the bullpen. I think the lineup is what it is. I mean, you got some great core guys. Hopefully Alonzo's here to stay. Um, you would need a bounce back year for McNeil, but again, a lot of ifs, but we'll see. Let the kids play and see how they can do. I hope they would sign a third baseman, but clearly they're not going to do that. They want to let their young guys play. So let's see what happens. Right. I mean, yeah, I'm intrigued, especially the bullpen. I think one thing they actually were lacking last year, especially without Edwin Diaz, and it'll be it'll be really nice to have him back this year, especially with how he's endeared himself to the fans after 2022, he was such the story of that season. And I think in a way it was really like the main story of the Mets season. And then to have him not on the team at all last year, I think that will maybe lift the overall bullpen image a little bit. And I, But again, like I was saying, without him, the bullpen really lacked velocity last season. I mean, honestly, like especially even when, you know, David Robertson did a great job as the closer for the first half of the year, but he's not throwing like 99, 100. I mean, he was getting a lot of outs, but I think so having someone like Fujinami in the mix really kind of amps that up a little bit. He has last year, he had a lot of control issues, especially early in the year when he was starting with the athletics. But I think just have like they have struggled really to develop those kinds of arms for their bullpen. You know, not a lot of all the, you watch other teams games and they're just they're throwing guys out there who are thro- like who have 100 mile an hour fastballs. And it's like not. Or like 98, 99. And the Mets, honestly, in their bullpen last year, didn't really have a lot of that. I think I I read somewhere and I believe that they like didn't throw a single pitch as a staff over 100 the entire year, which that's not necessarily the most important aspect of pitching staff. But I do think it does indicate that they perhaps were lacking some firepower overall on the pitching staff. So I think Fujinami could be a real like X factor depending on how they can develop him. He already knows Senga from their time 
I don't remember if they were on the same team in Japan, but they definitely at least know each other. So I'm really curious to see him because I was intrigued by him, especially when he, there was one game, I think when the Orioles were playing the Mets that he just pitched like the best inning yeah, of the year. Him. Like of that course, has that's always what happens. No, I know. And An immaculate. In, yeah. So I, I'm really curious to see him. I think I'm lower on Severino than like you and a lot of other people I've read only because I just feel like his best years were really like six years ago. I yeah, mean, they we're, were looking yeah. far back, not just yep. like 2021 or 2022. So I'm, I'm honestly just extremely skeptical that he's going to contribute that many meaningful innings yeah, to the team. Like too. I'm, yeah. so I'm almost not really factoring him in that much. Sean Manaya, I haven't really loved watching him the last few years, but he, I feel like he, I don't know. I'm I'm not that high on him either. He's but, your fourth starter, fourth, fifth starter. It's fine. But yeah, like if he was well, out can't there, can't expect them to be anything more than that. If he's out there for not that much, I'm fine with him signing him. I'm not like excited to watch him, but it'll, it'll be fine. But yeah, Severino, again, if he's out there, you know, it's worth a shot, especially only on one year deal. Like I definitely would not have given him two years, but no, that's I think the thing. There's no risk, no risk to it at all. Like he was just fine, so bad last year. Yeah. Like so but a lot of it bad. apparently was tipping pitches and who yeah. knows how true that is. But I mean, Jeremy Hefner gets rave reviews for how he works with pitchers. And I mean, this is going to be his, one of his biggest projects of all, but yeah, I'm not that high on him either. But I mean, if, if Severino could even be like a third, fourth starter for you and have an ERA and in, in the threes, somewhere high threes, I mean, you would, I feel like you would take that. I just feel like I, when the Mets signed him, which was actually one of the first overall free agent signings of the year, I think. I just heard yeah. a lot of people, I feel like really trying to talk themselves into him. And I'm just like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Like, I just can't believe he got big. what, 13 million? I can't I believe know. he even got that much. Because like know. you said, he hasn't been good in a long time. No, and he was really bad. He had a couple of good starts at the end of the year. So maybe that was something, but. But they must see something. It's I not mean, even like he's getting much of a change of scenery because he's still in New York. But maybe change yeah. of scenery, I think a different team can really be a change of scenery. Yeah, and a different set of eyes so, on them, you know? Yeah. I, I'm curious to see. I'm also, I mean, he might not even end up being healthy. So who even knows? I mean, for his yeah. sake, I hope that he's not injured. But you never. Know, he's been very fragile and not super effective the last few years. And I just think call, trying to call, harken back to like his 2017 season just doesn't really do it for me no. in 2020 you know what i'm saying like I mean? that's that's how the, i feel like the Wilpons used to operate like they'd be signing these guys that were good three years ago and hoping that they could regain their form but i just feel like stearns has an overall plan and this apparent pitching lab that he had in milwaukee is supposed to be bringing to the mets so i mean i don't know we'll see but obviously he's a smart guy so i don't know you just hope that he can be somewhat it's just it's a huge if like there's just so many ifs but if a few of them pan out, I don't see why this team can't be 500 and competing for a playoff spot and be similar to like the Diamondbacks of last year. Oh, sure. I mean, I think I think we'll we'll have to see like the offense is going to be pretty similar to last year with I am interested. I was intrigued when they signed Harrison Bader. And actually, there was an interesting interview with um, Brandon Nimmo earlier this week or maybe it was late last week when he was talking about Stearns basically approaching him saying they were thinking of signing Harrison Bader and kind of asking what he thought about that. And obviously we know Nimmo's the ultimate team player. And, you know, let's face it, like Nimmo has really improved defensively in center field, but he, he does not have a strong arm whatsoever. No, and so a honestly, noodle, a linguine noodle for an any most outfielders Harrison Bader obviously included have a better arm than Nimmo does and that will be more valuable that will be fairly valuable in center field you know who maybe also in right depending on Marte's health because we can talk about him in a second but 
Yeah, Bader, it's funny because he's a player I've always almost loved to hate on especially the Cardinals, but also the Yankees. I don't know. I've just never he's always like gotten on my nerves. He's always yeah. making like great catches against the Mets. But you know, again, it's different when it's on your team. So yeah. I he's always seems, good to have a guy like that on your team that everybody hates, you know. I'm yeah, he's not like that inflammatory of a player, but no. for whatever reason, I've always had this like personal grudge against him. But I mean now that he's on the Mets, you know, who knows? Like you said, I can't wait to been. watch him play center field. That's going to be a lot of fun. It'll, it's He's going to be the best center fielder they've had since Juan Lagares defensively. And I'm, you know what I have enjoyed about watching him over the last couple of years, especially like when he wasn't on the Cardinals, so the Mets weren't playing him as much is I feel like it's interesting watching him set up. He really like he patrols center field in a very like, very confident way where he will like confidently set up exactly where the ball is going to land. Like, long before he catches it he like puts himself in really good position to throw to bases and make pretty i mean he doesn't have the best outfield arm in baseball but like i said better than nemo definitely better than nemo no offense to nemo but so on one hand it does make me a little sad that they're they are kind of but again bader might not be healthy so that's Nimmo's gonna you end can't up playing count on him center. staying healthy nimmo will be playing some center so field. i mean honestly have to maintenance days too if Marte is not healthy no bader might be better served in right yeah. Well, the, well, I don't know. We'll Bader, see. He's going to play center the whole time. But I mean, even so, like Bader sometimes struggles hitting. So if his offense is taking a hit, they may use him as a defensive replacement when it comes down to it, if he's really not hitting well. So, and he I really was wasn't last season, especially at the end of the year. I mean, didn't he go to the Reds and then like didn't yeah. really play at all at, in September? I think the Yankees put him on waivers. So he, he wasn't really hitting much of last season, but but yeah, that was a signing when it happened. I was like kind of offended on behalf of Brandon Nemo. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? This is fine. It, I don't, yeah. I don't hate it. it I don't think he's it all gonna... works itself out in the end, you know. Yeah. But it, I think Nemo's better suited to be. The problem is they paid him as a center fielder. That's what. That's the only thing I feel a little bad about. I'm like they just signed yeah. him to this eight year deal last year, and after yeah. year one, they. That's the thing. But like, if he's going to still be the leadoff hitter, he is and produce offensively. Because I mean, yeah. obviously, they paid him more for his offensive numbers than what he's doing in the outfield. Because. Like you said, he's turned into a very good defensive outfielder besides his arm, like just going and catching balls and taking better routes to balls. He tracks the ball way better, better, much way better, better way yes. better than he did. But still, not, he doesn't have a good arm. He's much more suited for left field. Definitely not right because of his arm. But you mentioned Marte. I think Marte is the biggest X factor on this team. He's got two years left on his deal. He looked healthy in winter ball for whatever that's worth. But I don't know if, if he's healthy and if if he's healthy. I don't see why he doesn't have a really good year. He's still a really good player. Like that wasn't the issue. The issue was that he had double groin surgery and he hadn't recovered. And he was compromised he was never, the entire season. Yeah, he was yeah. compromised the whole season. So, I mean, let's see him on the field healthy because look what he did two years ago. He was awesome. Remember how much we were talking about him and how he was the biggest X factor of the team and how much just, they suffered in September without everything. Him? And like, he relies on his legs so much. So to take that away from him last year, like that's a big deal. So I, I don't know if you have an outfield of Martin, right. Bader in center, Nimmo in left. There's not a lot of balls that are going to fall out there. Like, that's a very good defensive outfield. Yes. So, I mean, obviously his arm lacks Nimmo in left, but, I mean, Bader's got an above-average arm. And Marte, we know what cannon he has in the right field. So, if Marte is healthy, I mean, that changes the whole dynamic of this team and especially the lineup, you know. Like, put sliding him at the top of that order behind Nimmo or wherever they put him and stealing bases like he did if he can. I know that's a tall task probably with the surgeries that he's had, but – if he's if he can run at even eighty percent of what he was a couple of years ago, I mean that would be a huge huge boost for this team. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's definitely a big X factor since he was 
so much of a non-factor almost all of last year, especially with the new, you know, the new rules last year. Lindor got his first 30-30 season. He was the Mets' main stolen base threat with Marte pretty much not really a factor. So, yep. so that'll be um that'll be something to watch as well. Hopefully he's able to kind of be the dynamic. I mean, you know, father time is obviously a factor, isn't he? Like 34, 30. Yeah, he's mid mid 30s. So, you know, who knows? But I I look forward to hopefully watching him at full strength because the Mets do have him for the next two seasons. So we'll see. Yeah, ideally, like if things work out in spring training, then you would have yeah, him, Nemo, and Bader as the starting outfield on opening day. We'll see if any other prospects or other people kind of worm their way into the mix depending on everyone's health. But I think DJ Stewart's in that mix for sure. I feel like a lot of people forget. Oh, I forgot he was still on the team. That's what I'm saying. A lot of (laughs) people forget about him. him. Remember that run he went on last year? I mean, if he could even produce at half of that, I mean, the Mets would take that in a heartbeat. I mean, he was a top prospect coming up with the Orioles, top draft pick. So, I mean, he showed potential in the past, and he really got uh, time to shine last year. And look what he did—he took off and ran. He's with the it, only so. reason. Him and Mauricio were like the only reasons. Yeah, to watch but he was awesome. The second half. that could have just been lightning in a bottle. Who knows? But yeah, I I'm not he, holding my breath that DJ. He's going to be getting be some. Like, he'll at least get a lot of I think left-handed DH at bats for sure. Yeah, maybe he and Vientos kind of. Well, I mean, I think Vientos should have a chance to at least prove himself against you know righties and lefties. But I could yeah. see a scenario where like both of them make the team and they kind of switch off those at bats but I, I don't know I'm always wary of like over I mean this the splits are player splits are the splits but I also think you know you don't want to not give players any opportunities to improve their numbers against lefties or righties depending on who's better but well yeah I, I it's funny I had literally not thought about DJ Stewart in like four months till you just mentioned this but he he did become kind of like the cult hero of the end of the season in a way, especially in August when he was really tearing it up on both sides of the ball too. Yeah. I was at the game against the pirates. I think it was like August 16th, I believe when he hit two home runs and also started a play at the plate that like got a runner out. Cause I was sitting right behind um, in like the right field, whatever those stands like right behind right field are. So he, yeah, he hit two home runs in that game and also like fished a ball out of the corner and then threw a perfect relay to McNeil, who threw a guy out at the plate. And I was like, I, I thought that was the DJ Stewart game. And then there were like three other games that also yeah, could have qualified. Like a span of like two weeks. As the DJ Stewart game. So, yeah, he hopefully, you know, assuming he's on the team in 2024, which I would, I, unless he has like a really terrible spring, you know, there's going to be other prospects vying for different spots. But I would, I think it's more likely than not that he's on the opening day roster at this point, based on how things have happened. So, yeah, he he seemed like, you know, it, it's funny because sometimes players come over to the Mets and they have a honeymoon period where they do really well for like a month. I mean, this basically happened with Vogelback the previous season, although yeah, not, I think, to the same extent where fans will like fall in love with the player. But then once a the whole offseason passes and then they come back the next year, sometimes I feel like the, the honeymoon period has then ended. Yeah, it wears off. Yeah. I don't know if we'll see if he can. He's going to have to hit the ground running that. to get rid of his skeptics for sure. Yeah, because I think if he like does a terrible spring training, people are going to be like, all right, why did we bring this guy back? Yeah. But yeah. And then if you watch last year, he actually did do really well. So yeah, we'll see. At least he, he wasn't played surprisingly slowest... well defense. Like he played better defense than anybody expected out in the outfield. Yes, too. definitely. I mean, at least he's somewhat, I wouldn't, I don't he's know, more athletic. He's somewhat athletic. At least that's somebody you can fill in. If there's bound to be an injury in that outfield. Yeah. Well, they, so. they also have Tyrone Taylor from the Brewers. Who yeah. He's another, that's what I'm saying. Pretty... Depth, Like 
Tyler good. Taylor, another guy that we're like similar to what we were just talking about with Fujinami, like had great games against the Mets last year. Remember when they were in Milwaukee? Yes. When they got and swept the at the beginning of the them. season. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, home run. I feel like all their young players just went off against us. That yeah. Series. There was that one game where that was crazy. And he was I part th- of that Tyron Taylor. He mm-hmm. home run that in that series. I remember, but that was I mean, a game. That was a series where the Brewers beat the Mets 10 to nothing, like every game for three yeah. games. Yeah. And then the last game they walked off. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I mean, good depth. I mean, he's made some decent moves that, again, will improve around the margins. Nothing flashy, but he's definitely improved the team and the organization as a whole. For sure. And, you know, we've gone through this several times with the Mets now. We've gone through, even just under Steve Cohen, like multiple changes of on field leadership and like front office leadership. And so you hope, you always hope that this is the crew that will stick for a few years at least. And, you know, I'm at least hopeful that the David Stearns-Carlos Mendoza combo, plus if he ever hires another GM in the future, which he wasn't going to this offseason, I'm hopeful at least that they'll give them some room to build the culture that they see as the most sustainable and winning culture that they can. You know, Steve Cohen has certainly invested a lot of resources into the team. There's been a lot of overall improvements made in many areas. And this is not necessarily related to the on-field activities, but I did, I don't know if you saw that um, the Mets are going to have only Saturday afternoon game home games this year. Yeah. I like which, that. Which I'm excited about. I mean, I'm always love a 4 PM game. So I was happy. Yeah, that, they're the best. They're I think best. those is like a perfect happy medium, but also a lot yeah. of 1 PM games too. That's. And especially early in the season when it's cold, you know, to have them during the day, like that'll be nice. I'm so, cause my parents have been complaining for like the last, feels like every year that the the Mets never have any Saturday day games. And apparently they weren't the only ones complaining because it seemed like this change was made directly as a result of fan surveys or fan feedback. So I I don't know what the sur- the the survey actually was, but this was announced like a little over a week ago. But yeah, I like it. It's a good move. Plus, I guess to me, I mean, you know, playoff baseball nowadays is always at night. But to me, like when I think of a baseball game, I, especially during the summer, I always think of the daytime. So it's yeah. nice to actually, you know what I mean? I always think of like a blue sky. I don't think of summer baseball as being played at night, even though most of the games are. So I'm glad that at least on Saturday they'll be, and Sunday games are always day games, obviously, except for Sunday night baseball. So I think that'll be nice too. I'm at least hopeful. Like, I don't know. It, I don't know how you feel about this because I feel like I've been seeing, and again, Twitter's not always like the best, you know, thermometer of, all Mets fans out there, but I feel like I've been seeing things about people being very apathetic towards the upcoming Mets season. And I feel like, I don't know, no matter how like blah their off seasons have been, it still feels like so much more. I still feel so much more energetic about the team in the new ownership era than I did for sure. Before. Yeah. So I'm still like excited going into every season. I mean, going to games is fun. I still enjoy watching them. There's still a lot of like, I don't know, no matter how like, I think people have just been very doom and gloom about the Mets last, like the last season. And because then last year was such a disappointment, you know? Yeah. Like, which he's is put fair. in so much of his own resources, like you said, and money into previous off seasons. And this year they're taking a little step back. Like they're improving the team in smaller ways, but that might be better for them because I really think next off season, they're going to be going full throttle. I mean, some of these prospects that are going to come up this year, they're going to be expected to really produce um, next year. Um, and another guy we haven't talked about earlier, I didn't bring up is Jet Williams. I think he's he's their top prospect now. And 
if everything goes right, he should be making his major league debut at some point this season. Um, but, and he's a really good, good player and good guy to watch. I mean, top of the lineup going to play outfield. He'll probably be their center fielder next year. But uh, yeah, I, I think Mets fans just need to realize that they're going to go full force probably next off season. I think Juan Soto honestly is at the top of their list. Like I would be very, very surprised if next, unless he gets an extension, which uh, under Boris is, I don't see unlikely. that happening. And the only way I see him, like there's no way he leaves the Yankees is if the Yankees themselves as a team have a really good year. And obviously Juan yeah. Soto will be a huge part of that. And the fans put a lot of pressure on the Yankees front office to keep him that the Yankees will go above and beyond to keep him. Cause I, I think they're going to do what they can, but I think this is the big fish that Steve Cohen wants. And Juan Soto said it in the past, he loves playing at city field. It's his favorite road ballpark to play in. Uh, when he requested or not even requested, but when the nationals were going to trade him a couple years ago, he had tried to go to the front office and mentioned that he would like to get traded to the Mets, but that wasn't going to happen. They weren't trading him in division. So I just, I think he's going to be their, their huge target that they're going after next off season. And there's a really good off season or excuse me, free agent class next off season that the Mets are going to be using their resources for, especially when, like you said, most of these deals they're giving out are one, two year deal at the most they are. So or one year with an option, you know, yeah, have, exactly, I don't even know if they've given out much, really maybe Mania. I think Mania is on maybe, maybe. Two with like an option type thing, but yeah, yeah. Most of them are one year deals and they're going to reset and go full throttle next off season with the team they have, with the young people coming up that they have. And, yeah, I just I just hope they lock up Pete Alonso and do right by him. Like that would be really unfortunate if he didn't get to finish his career as a Met because he's going to break pretty much all their offensive records if he does stay. But uh, yeah, I I know it's boring and it's kind of sucks that they're not having a flashy offseason in a way. But like I said, winning the offseason hasn't really done much for them in the past. So yeah, exactly. Well, that's, that's why with this with the Springs. It'll be interesting to see all eyes on the Dodgers this season because of the transactions that they've made with not only, you know, signing Otani to that crazy $700 million contract, signing Yamamoto, trading for Glasnow. They just re-signed Kershaw today, who's not going to be, he just had surgery, so he's not going to be pitched till I think, j- late July at the earliest. But, you know, they'll be, they'll they'll have a lot of eyes on them. I mean, Mookie Betts even made a comment basically to that exact effect this week about saying how, and I think this kind of raised some eyebrows, but I don't know. I thought it was kind of a fun comment saying that their, you know, all of their series will be like the other team's World Series in a way. So because of kind of the crazy roster they've assembled. So there'll be tons of pressure on them again. And I also think, you know, not not only just with Otani being such a sensation, but also I still think there's a lot of pressure on them to win a World Series in a non-COVID year. Oh, I, yeah, for sure. Not that I don't view that as a legitimate championship, but I would imagine like the Dodgers players who are still on this team from that time and also their fans, especially now with all the players they've gotten, kind of have not. I mean, I'm sure it still meant something to them, but I don't know. I I don't think that being so as recent as it is doesn't mean that there's it doesn't feel like they just won the World Series, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the weirdness of that year. So but with that said, like I said, there's going to be a lot of eyes on them, you know, Soto being traded to the Yankees. The big target on their back, for sure. So in some ways, like I always say this, it's okay if the Mets like aren't doing crazy things. You know, we, we've we because since Steve Cohen bought the team, you know, I feel like fans promised themselves all of this stuff. And like, again, well, Cohen did it to himself by saying he wanted I, a championship within which three Which I get. Years. I mean, yes, he did sort of put himself in that box. But, he did. but I he's mean, again, back, he's backed off that now. Right. Well, because 
they haven't done it yet. So <laughs> they're working yeah. on it. They haven't even won a playoff for, series. So. so there's still there's still steps to go. But yeah. it's I don't know. Like if this is the process that they're doing, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, I'm I can wait another year. Like if it's not this year, you know, yeah. and at least you know their plan going forward. You they're know? trying. Like, like that's all I yeah. really ask is they're they're clearly. There's a plan. a lot. Like, yeah. But there's a long-term plan now. I don't think there was one previously when they were going after Scherzer and Verlander and there's somewhat, but like there's a real concrete long-term plan. You know, Steve Cohen got his guy in David Stern. Yes. Like, he clearly Stern's he, he, he wanted. Yes. He wanted him since he bought the obvious. team and he finally got him and there's a long-term plan here and it's going to take, it's not a rebuild, but it, like you said, there it's a reset year and the transition year and hopefully next year they're ready to go. I mean, I'm still going to be mad when I mean, they lose. Don't get me wrong. Can, you you can't like, like turn that off completely. This year, but no, and hopefully they want to be competitive. They want to make the playoffs. So that's a great goal to have. But I mean, it would be great if they go d- on a deep playoff run, but I wouldn't be expecting that at this point. No, I mean, you know, you never know. Like the D-backs snuck into the postseason last year and made it to the World Series. So we'll have to see. I, I think like there's, there's a lot of, I think with the expectations bit publicly being lowered for the Mets this season, I do think, you know, they could easily win like 75 games for sure. Or, you know, you never know. They could win in the high eight. Like I yeah, my they're in it at the not... trade deadline too. Like exactly. Steve Cohen and David Stearns will be willing to, I mean, they're not going to trade a prospect and mortgage their future, but they'll take on a salary or do something to improve the team for sure. So let's get to that point. I mean, last off season or last season, they were way out of it by that point. Remember? And, they, they almost clawed choice. their way back in. in almost, September. But, yeah, you're right. But they were. No, yeah, it's happen. funny to think about. It's like they actually didn't finish that far out of a spot. No, and they were they, they were, were fun to watch the second half of the year. Maybe because you know there were no more. They were more relaxed. The really yeah. the first half of last season was just so tense. Well, they had a target on their back, not yeah. as big as the Dodgers do now, but they had a big target on their back with the peril they had and all the moves they had made. Just but. nobody looked like they were having fun. You know what I mean? Like you'd watch yeah. that. I don't know. I feel like in 2022, it was just so much. And they were way better, obviously that season, but they just seemed more relaxed overall. And so hopefully this year, let's get back. Like, I don't know. Hope to see some not terrible baseball being played. Hope, hopefully, you know, we'll have the trumpets back in the ninth inning. Looking forward to that. Curious to see how Diaz looks in spring training too. If he, I mean, hopefully he still has like his full strength with his knee being back to normal. So hopefully he's fully recovered from the surgery. And yeah, I just feel like last year they were really lacking just a spark. And, you know, Diaz really was that spark, in my opinion, in 2022. Last year, I would say Alvarez was really the closest thing they had. And Mauricio at the end of the season. Now, of course, Mauricio, who's arguably their most exciting overall player, gets injured in the winter. So they can't really escape the freak injury for the second year in a row or really the third year in a row. So yeah, but you know what? Like I'm, I'm excited for baseball to be back. I'm ready for, I'm tired of like, I don't know. I like, I watch other sports. I know you do too, but there's something about like the baseball season arriving. It just feels like, ha. Ah, All right. Know. But I must say it's so fun that the Knicks are good. I, I know. I, I've, I've been watching, I've been watching here and there. Like I'm not a huge I'm definitely like more of a, a fair weather fan in terms of if I hear that things are going well, I'll turn on the games, but I do like root for them to win. So I They're just can really only invest. Good. I can only invest like my bandwidth in so many things. Yeah, but obviously I'm like rooting for the next But it's two. nice to have something in the winter. Cause usually by now it's just, it's dead. Football season's over. It's yeah. Dead. You know, 
for sure. So yes, we have had at least one orange and blue team playing well at all times. That's all I ask. So, but yeah, so, so yeah. And one other thing to talk about, um, this episode, which was pretty big news in the baseball world last week was the Orioles having a very, very good week. They announced that the team, the Angelos family, who is the the majority owners in the Orioles for, I believe, like 30, last 30 yeah, years, 30 years yeah. have sold a majority stake to a group of investors led by this guy, David Rubenstein, who apparently was born in Baltimore, from Baltimore, grew up an Orioles fan, a billionaire. And not just him, like a group of investors among them, uh, Cal Ripken Jr., obviously an Orioles icon. And then I think the next day they announced out of the blue that or they didn't announce, but it was reported that they were trading for uh, Corbin Burns from the Brewers, which was sort of out of left field. I think the Burns trade rumors have really calmed down. Yeah, they had the beginning of the offseason. It seemed like it was going to get traded. And then recently it was crickets. So that was sort of a big you know, huge news for them. They really needed another starting pitcher to go with their high-powered offense, and they didn't really have to give up any of their top prospects to do it. I mean, DL Hall was such a deep farm system. Like that's what the Mets are striving to get. I mean, obviously, they right. were bad for a long time to get a lot of these top prospects, but their all their farm system is loaded. Yeah, I mean, it's just incredible the amount of like, especially position player talent that they've developed. And are still developing. I Their mean, best they one have, hasn't even come. Jackson Hall. They won a hundred games stud. last year, and they have the top overall prospect of baseball, who's probably going to make his debut this year. So they have they have a lot going for them. I'm I feel a, very, a certain kinship with the Orioles. Just they've had similarly long suffering histories as the Mets. Although, as I was saying to you before the show started, ironically, the Mets have actually experienced more, really more recent success than the O's have. Just being in the World Series at least this century twice so in that respect you know maybe the o's fans are jealous of the mets fans for that amount of success but i've been rooting for them the last couple years just with all their young players that they've had and my sister also went to college in baltimore so i uh she i mean she doesn't follow baseball that much but i've gone to one orioles game and enjoyed that so i've at least been to their stadium so yeah Kevin Yard is a beautiful park they've been probably my number they did with the fences but yeah, itself is really it, nice. it looks that does look very odd, but I would say they've been sort of my obviously after the Mets, like my number two team the last couple of years in terms of who I'm paying attention to. So I'm really happy for them. I think, you know, hopefully they have hopefully I mean, I don't think this investing group is worth 15 billion dollars total, but I still think it seems like they're here to, you know, go big with the Orioles, hopefully, sure. which they really yeah. have not done free agent wise in I I don't know Ever? since like a long time Miguel Tejada they signed I think I mean <laughs> yeah, that was like before I was born or maybe shortly last after. big deal what they locked up Chris Davis and then look oh out yeah <laughs> so aside from that yeah we'll we'll see well because I know there was some I think there was some discontentment among the O's fans last year when there, I think it was Michael Elias, or I don't know if it was Michael Elias, but somebody spoke to the effect of, you know, not being sure if they could lock up their young stars. And I mean, look, they can, if they, you know, are wondering where they're fi- going to find the money for this, just look what the Royals did this week. They no, just great. signed yeah, Bobby Wood Jr., baseball, who is a star this. player, like really, really good player. Probably one of the best players they've had in at least the last like 
30 years of their friend that they've developed in their franchise yeah, history awesome, who they signed basically to like 11 years or like 11 guaranteed years and 289 million dollars and there was a really sweet video today of he was walking into Kauffman stadium to do his like press conference to announce the contract and like all the many or all of the Royals employees were standing by the door, like giving him a big round of applause and like cheering. I'm like, that's just so sweet. Yeah, like, it's awesome. So if the it's Royals good for a small market that, team to be able to lock up their players. There's you know? no excuse for the Orioles. There's no excuse for like the pirates. None of these, like the Royals are they not. They make so much money. You can keep your guys. Yeah. Right. Especially like, just get ahead of it. You know, the Orioles just, I mean, the Royals just spent, yeah, $280 million. They've exceeded their previous largest contract by, I think, $200 million. Like, I think their previous largest contract was the one Salvador Perez is currently on. So they, I was thrilled to see that because he's, he's a fantastic player on, you know, super fast. I think he went, he had 30, 40 season last year. I think he hit 30 homers and stole like 49 bases and great defender. So I'm, he's I'm a thrilled. Great player. It's really good, really good by them to be able to lock him up. You know, that's gotta I mean, be a, Great for the fan base. The Royals have had a quietly very good offseason as well. They have. They've they've signed a lot of arms. I've been impressed. Seth Lugo, baby. Several, several former Mets. Yeah, Seth Lugo included. I thought there was a chance the Mets might go out try to bring him home, but there was not to be. I uh, maybe That's one day. Yeah. It's okay. Maybe one day. But but yeah, so we saw other teams making big moves this week that made sense for them. Um, with you know, the Orioles new ownership, the Royals signing Bobby Witt Jr. to a huge contract. Um, I think he's only, he's only been in the league two years. So this will buy him out of most or several post free agent years. So yeah, we'll see what the next, hopefully the Mets next big contract is something in the Pete Alonzo neighborhood. There hasn't really been, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen with that. I mean, at this point I'm pessimistic. I'm just going to expect yeah, no, he's that not it's going to go until the end of the season. Extended. Like, yeah. Which is whatever. He's right by Boris, I think. So it's not. I guess I'll just be really nervous all season again. Steve Cohen, if they want to keep him, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He wants to be a Met. I feel differently about this than I did going into the DeGrom free agency. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, DeGrom was so different. He kept getting hurt. Yeah. You You didn't know what what you were getting. So I mean, Pete is just so much more of like. And he embraced being a Met so much. Like DeGrom didn't really talk about it that much. Yeah. That wasn't his personality, but Alonzo's always talking about how he wants to be a Met. And I could see him being named captain if he sticks around, you know, like that's the kind of guy you want to keep. So I also think we'll see how this goes throughout the season. But I think like if they haven't if they haven't signed him by the end of the season, I think there will be like a lot of fan pressure or presence in that arena. Because I think I mean, I don't speak for just myself, but I think Mets fans in general feel very strongly on the whole that they should keep him for, you know, his whole career. So we'll, I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. You know, there's a chance, I suppose that something gets done in spring training, but I, I'll, I'll admit I fell for the bait on like the arbitration deadline day. When I saw Jeff Passan tweet, like first it was just Pete and the Mets, like agreeing to their 2024 contract, but he had a tweet about, you know, how players like agree to their arbitration yeah, or to yeah, avoid yeah. arbitration. So there was a tweet from Jeff Passan that was like, you know, first baseman Pete Alonso and the Mets are in agreement on a, and I was like, Oh, <gasps> And then I like read the gotcha. rest of the tweet. I, I was so, I felt so bamboozled because then he was like on a one year, $20 million contract to avoid arbitration. Yeah. But I can't tell you like my heart like left. I was like, I almost, <laughs> ugh. I was so, I was so, I was caught. I was bamboozled. I fell for it, but. Sorry, well, hopefully they get it done. 
Yeah, hopefully. That would, that would be nice. We'll see. Yeah, I'm curious to see. I also, the only reason I would, I just think he's going to get so many questions about this. And like, I just, I don't know. It's going to be so annoying, like in spring training with everyone asking him about it, which makes sense because it's a big story. But we'll see. You never know. Maybe, maybe something gets done in spring training. You know, I'm. I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath, but whatever. I'll try to be optimistic. That's like the only thing I've been clinging on to this boring off season, even though we talked about how, you know, it's fine that it's been boring, which we've, for all the reasons we've said, but, but yeah, I'm sure there'll be more to discuss. Also this, this year too, without the WBC and spring training, I think that was also kind of a disruption to clubhouses all over the league last year. So this year it's really the first, like actually normal spring training they've had in a bunch of years, pretty much since like 20, 19 i guess so because i mean 2020 was covid 2021 still a lot of covid restrictions 2022 was a lockout last year i mean again no it wasn't the lockout but the world baseball classic was most of march so that kind of interrupted things so hopefully this year you know we can get that clubhouse culture going have everyone bond have have the have the vibes all meld have everything come together and maybe maybe we'll put ourselves in place for like a surprisingly enjoyable season. That'd be great. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Cohen's Corner Pod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I have a new username. It's at E Liz Muratori. You can follow Jake at Giblin underscore Jake. And thank you so much for listening. You know, the next time we record, I'm sure spring training will already be underway. I always look forward to like those first tweets of players arriving. I, I'm such a sucker for those every year. I get so, nothing gets me more hyped than like the tweet of Brendan Nimmo or Pete Alonso arriving at spring training and waving to the camera. That'll give me enough serotonin to last for like an entire week. So looking forward to those tweets rolling in next week. Um, and yeah, so we'll be back. Uh, not, you know, hopefully sometime within the next couple of weeks to kind of talk about the beginning of spring training and break down anything else major that has happened with the Mets and and around baseball. So once again, thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go Mets. <laughs>